Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Michael. I'm one of the ministers here. I'm excited to get to dive into the word a little bit with you this morning. And uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday uh, to everyone. Uh, some of you may or may not know this. One of the quarterbacks in the Super Bowl was actually the last pick in the draft. And it makes me really happy to know that I am not the only last pick you'll be seeing today. You'll be hearing from today. So um, again, my name is Michael. I'm, I'm really excited to get to dive into the word with you uh, today. So as we've been working through this series, uh, we, we, you may remember the sort of check mark graph that we've been looking at. And so um, this is where we found ourselves last week. Um, uh, along the, the, the timeline of scripture, sort of this checkmark graph trajectory, we entered into this period uh, called the patriarchs. What the patriarchs are is essentially the family line that will eventually get us to Jesus. And so we started off this period last week talking about a man named Abraham. And I'll be wrapping this up this week talking about a man named Joseph. So before we jump into this story, um, I, I just want to get this main point out in front of you because we're going to talk about this from a handful of different angles today. Uh, we're going we're to jump into what this means about us, how we can see Jesus in this story. But before we get into anything about the story and the life of Joseph, I just want this main point to be abundantly clear to each of us. And that is that everything submits to the power and plan of God. This is where we're going to be getting to. Everything we get into today will eventually come back to this main idea. And that is that everything submits to the power and plan of God. So we'll be talking about Joseph today, and many of us uh, first heard the story of Joseph while sitting in Sunday school in children's worship, right? That was where most of us came across the story for the first time. And even if you didn't grow up in church, I would wager this was probably a Bible character that you had heard of at some point before, or maybe you saw the musical, the Technicolor Dreamcoat, right? It's, it's a very familiar story to most of us. And so I thought, what better way this morning to revisit and recap the story of Joseph than to read it like we heard it the first time from a children's book. So we're going to recap this in the Jesus Storybook Bible, which, by the way, is a very handy resource. If any of you parents with young kids want, some, uh, want a good resource to dive into scripture with your kids, this is a great one to use. But this is what we're going to use this morning to recap the story of Joseph. But what goes along with every children's story you read? What do you have to have? If you're going to read a children's book, what has to go along with it? Pictures. 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 That is exactly right. And so... Uh, I have access to some of the most talented people in our church over in the youth group. So I actually asked a handful of them uh, to do some of the artwork for us. So as we read through the story and kind of go through some of the key points, uh, the illustrations that I've had them do will kind of come up on the screen as well. So we can be fully immersed in the experience. And if you are taking notes, uh, the points will come up as well that will go along with that are in your field guides. So without further ado, let's jump into the story of Joseph as told by the Jesus Storybook Bible. Joseph, uh, Jacob had 12 sons, but of all of his sons, Joseph was his favorite. One day, Jacob gave Joseph a splendid new robe. It was beautiful and rich with all the colors of the rainbow, but it made jo Joseph's brothers jealous. They wanted rich rainbow robes too. Then, to make matters worse, Joseph kept on having these special dreams. I dreamed I was the greatest, that I was king, Joseph told his brothers, and you all bowed down to me like the sun and the moon and the stars. Now, I'm sure you know, even if Joseph didn't, that telling your brothers things like that isn't a very good idea. Joseph's brothers hated him even more. They wanted to kill Joseph and his dreams. And one day, that's exactly what they tried to do. They tore Joseph's rainbow robe off of him and sold him to slave traders for 20 pieces of silver. 
The traders took Joseph to Egypt and made him into their slave. The brothers went home and lied to their father, telling him that Joseph was dead. That's the end of the dreamer, they thought, but they were wrong. God had a magnificent dream for Joseph, and even when it looks like everything had gone wrong, God would use it, use it all to help make that dream come true. God would use everything that was happening to Joseph to do something good. Meanwhile, though, things were not looking good for Joseph in Egypt. He was far from home and from his dad. And then he got blamed for something he didn't do. And even though he had done nothing wrong, he was punished and thrown in jail. But God had not left Joseph. One night, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had a scary dream about thin cows gobbling up fat cows. What on earth did it mean? He didn't know. But Joseph was a dream expert, so Pharaoh sent for him. It means a famine is coming, Joseph explained. There won't be enough food. Pharaoh was so pleased by Joseph's skill that he immediately took Joseph out of jail and made him a prince. Now back home, Joseph's brothers had run out of food and everyone was hungry. God's special family was in danger. If they didn't get food soon, they would starve to death. So Joseph's brothers traveled to Egypt to buy food. They came and knelt before the new prince. His brothers didn't know that the prince was Joseph, but Joseph knew who they were. Joseph's dream, the one about his brothers bowing down to him, was coming true. It's me, Joseph cried. When they saw it was Joseph, his brothers were afraid. They had wronged Joseph. They, they had sinned and they knew it. And now Joseph would certainly punish them. But Joseph looked at his brothers, his eyes filled with tears. And even though his brothers had hurt him and hated him and wanted him dead, in spite of everything, he couldn't stop loving them. His heart, which they had broken, filled up with love. Joseph forgave them. Joseph threw his arms around them. Don't be afraid, he said. Behind what you were doing, underneath everything that was happening, God was doing something good. God was making everything right again. Joseph didn't punish them. He rescued them, and he brought God's special family to live safely with him in Egypt. And that is the story of Joseph as told by the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now, real quick, can we give a quick hand to my illustrators who, who gave us the, the artwork? Some of them are in here. Great job, guys. So that's the story told uh, by the Jesus Storybook Bible. And this is an incredibly rich story, and there's a lot to unpack here. But you might be thinking to yourself, okay, cool, thank you, Michael. I appreciate the, that, that recap of the story of Joseph. Hadn't read that one in a while, that's good. But what does that have to do with me exactly? Well, I'm glad you asked. So we're going to get back into some of the ins and outs of the story of Joseph in a second. But for a second, let's just take a look at where we might see ourselves amongst the story of Joseph and kind of break this down piece by piece. So if you look at points one and two here, right, he was the favorite of his father and he had these God-given abilities. In other words, Joseph was in a very highly favorable circumstance, right? He was the favorite of his father. He had these gifts that nobody else had. But something that I don't think we talk about a ton whenever we read the story as children is that Joseph was, was kind of arrogant, and, and he, he didn't really know. Yes, he, he had some favorable circumstances, but when favorable circumstances and special talent is not met with humility and wisdom, it often finds its way to arrogance. And that's exactly what happens with Joseph in this story. He doesn't know how to be wise. He doesn't know how to use his abilities well. And instead of using his abilities to bless others and make things better for other people, instead he bolsters himself 
And maybe some of us find ourselves there. Some of us have found ourselves there. I'm sure many of us in the room can account for times that we have had to be humbled because we didn't know how to humble ourselves. And maybe some of us in this room today need to hear that exactly. The circumstances you're in and the abilities you have are all simply a means to uh, turn back and give glory to God and to bless others. And maybe that's what some of us in this room need to be challenged to do today. It's to use the situations that we're in and the abilities that we have to turn around and bless other people. Maybe that's where you find yourself this morning is somewhere here in point one or two. And others, others of us in this room might find ourselves in point three. In the story, Joseph, he, he's condemned for a crime that he didn't commit and he finds himself in prison, right? Some of us might be facing some sort of prison of our own, some sort of challenge that we can't overcome. Some of you, you may have found yourself like Joseph in these circumstances due to no fault of your own. And now you're having to sit through and figure out, okay, what, what do I do with this now? How do I find my way out of this circumstance? And, and uh, some of you, if you're like me, yeah, you might be in, in a prison of your own, but, but you know exactly what you did to get yourself there. But regardless, there's a lot of us in this room who are facing down challenges that we don't know exactly what to do with. We're finding ourselves in, in, in a prison of sorts the same way Joseph was. But whether or not you know what led you there, or this was a situation that just fell into your lap, point number four here is the solution for either one. Genesis chapter 39 offers uh, one of my favorite passages in this entire story. Um, and, and it's simply this. It says, but while Joseph was there in prison, this is right after he had been sent to prison. It says, while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor. Some of us need to be just simply reminded of that truth this morning. That there is no distance you have gone. There's no amount of pushing Jesus away. There's no amount of time that you've turned your face from him, that he is not still right there with you exactly where he's been from the beginning. Some of us need to be reminded of that truth and that truth alone this morning. And I pray that if that's you, that you heard those words, that God is with you right now. And he is not leaving. You need only to turn to him. Because like in point four here, he overcame that condemnation through God's power in him. We were not made to overcome the challenges of life on our own strength. We were made to rely on the strength of God through us. That's how Joseph got out of prison. And that's how you will overcome whatever circumstance you are in is by turning to him and acknowledging that he is the only one that has the power to get you through this. And I pray that if that's you this morning, that you heard that, that God is with you and he's waiting for you to turn to him. Some of us, that's where we find ourselves. And lastly, some of us find ourselves here in point five. Some of us are coming in this room with broken relationships. Some of us are coming in this room uh, needing to be reunited or needing to bless others who have wronged us or that we have wronged. The same way that Joseph was, was in this, this rough situation with his brothers. Some of us are coming, into this, uh, coming in here today with that same kind of baggage. What I love about this story and what I love about the way that honestly the, the, the storybook describes it is that you see the joy that Joseph has in getting the opportunity to love and forgive and bless his brothers. The situation that he's in is one that so many of us pray for. It is that the people that have wronged us will come groveling to our feet, right? That's one that, that people dream of. And Joseph was in that exact situation, but having learned and having to lean into the power of God time and time again, he took joy in the opportunity to show mercy and love and forgive those who had wronged him. 
such a beautiful moment in this story, and maybe some of us need to be challenged by that this morning. So there's a handful of different ways we can maybe see ourselves in this story. But real quick, I want to I take a look at, another look at this from a different angle. So not thinking about ourselves and not thinking about the story of Joseph, I want to read back through these, these sort of character attributes. I, I want to read through these, and I want you to see if maybe somebody else comes to mind. I want to read these. So we're talking about somebody who is the favorite of his father, highly favored by his father. Somebody who had God-given abilities like nobody else had. Somebody who was condemned, though he was an innocent man, condemned for crimes that he did not commit. Somebody who overcame that condemnation through the power of God in him. And somebody who reunited with, uh, with, uh, with his people and blessed them for the future. Now, if I were to describe that person to you, who might be another person that comes to mind? What's the right answer? Jesus. There you go. Always the right answer in church. It's Jesus. Jesus Oh, does this sound familiar? Sorry. <laughs> Jesus is the better Joseph. And we kind of find this pattern with a lot of Old Testament figures. It is that you'll find parallels with the life of Jesus in the lives of some of these characters. But Jesus represents this life. The only difference is he does it perfectly. In fact, the last passage in, uh, or the last uh, verse that, that Joseph speaks to his brothers, uh, it happens in Genesis 15. It's one of the most powerful passages in the entire story. And it really could have come from the mouth of Jesus himself. And it's this, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. This is the, the, the bottom line. This is the, the words of Joseph really summarize exactly uh, what it looks like for, for us to find Jesus within this story. Uh, there's a man who, who's a, I, I would say modern day example. It's not exactly modern day anymore, but he really kind of exemplifies this principle really well. Um, it's a man by the name of Chuck Colson. Some of you may recognize this name, uh, but Chuck was a, uh, he was an attorney and he was a political advisor uh, for one of our presidents. Uh, he, was, he was a political advisor for uh, President Richard Nixon. And uh, if, if you've done any studying in history at all, you, you, the name Richard Nixon really only means, means one thing to you, and that is the Watergate trial, right? So uh, Chuck Colson was in Richard Nixon's inner circle, and he was actually deemed as one of the, the Watergate seven, so to speak. So he was one of the few men who were convicted of the crime of obstruction of justice. And so uh, this happened in 1972, if you remember. In 1972, Chuck Colson was, uh, he was, he was uh, convicted of obstruction of justice. And then in 1974, so two years later, this happened in 1972, 1974, he went to trial and was sent to prison. But in 1973, something really important happened. In 1973, Chuck Colson met Jesus. He, he had an encounter with God and, and he decided to give his life to Christ. And so then when he went to trial a year later, and to everyone's shock, instead of fighting back like every other person had done up until that point, Instead of trying to, to lessen his sentence, he, he threw up his hands and he said, you know what, I'm guilty. I, I, I need to pay the price for what I've done and, and, and I'll take whatever is coming my way. And so he goes to prison in 1974. But with his, with his new lease on life and his new understanding of purpose and calling, uh, Chuck Colson uh, looks around at his circumstances. He says, okay, God, what, what, what are you doing here? What do you have for me? 
And so he decides to start sharing the love of Jesus with those guys that he was in prison with. When he was exposed to the, the horrible conditions that these guys were in in prison and, some, and the horrible conditions that a lot of these guys came from, he understood that, that God has me here for a reason. And so he decided to start studying scripture with these guys and sharing the love of Christ with these guys. And he got a very successful uh, kind of Bible study going while he was there in prison. But a few years later, he was released. But he, he left prison with the same conviction in his heart that God had called him to serve those people that were in that circumstance. And so upon leaving prison, he immediately turned around and formed what is called today prison fellowship. And what prison fellowship is, is it's a prison-based ministry. And what started with the one prison that he was at expanded to two and three and then expanded. Now it's across 110 countries and 2 million prisoners a year are hearing the gospel and learning of the love of Jesus because one man went to prison and he looked around and he said, you know what, what they intend to harm me, God can use for good. So maybe that's where you find yourself today. I want to bring us back to this main idea. Everything submits to the power and plan of God. Chuck Colson's circumstances, he chose to submit to the power and plan of God. Joseph learned that he needed to submit his life to the power and plan of God to be used by God. So the question that I want you guys to consider as we wrap up today is this. What in your life do you need to submit to God? Is there a relationship? Is there a circumstance? Is there something you've been holding on to for dear life? Trying to saying, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe I could give this to you, but maybe instead you can get me through it in the way that I want to get through it. Maybe you understand what it would mean to submit it to God, but you, you haven't done it yet. What does that look like for you? What in your life do you need to submit to God? I'm going to pray for us. We'll be done. Uh, Lord God, I thank you so much for, um, thank you so much for our time together. I thank you for um, the story of Joseph and, and what we learned about um, what we learned about your plan, what we learned about your power, and what we learned about uh, humility through the life of Joseph. God, I pray that um, as we leave this place today, that we would be challenged uh, to release whatever it is that we've been holding on to, uh, release whatever it is that we've been trying to use our own power uh, to get through. God, I pray that we would submit that to you, understanding that it's only you that will get us through to where we need to be. Um, God, we thank you for your son, and we thank you for the sacrifice that he, pl- he paid and the ability that he gives us to make it through because it's only through the power that you have that we're able to get uh, through the challenges that we're facing in this life. God, we love you. We thank you for your son. This is his name we pray. Amen.